0: broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Mountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going directly to uh, the Raiders guest line and welcome in my good friend, my colleague from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Uh, you could read his stuff uh, over at uh, TheReviewJournal.com or Vegas Nation, uh, the app, VegasNation.com on the computer. Of course, we're talking about Sam Gordon, and you can follow him at BySamGordon. Sam, Gordon. Sam, how are you doing, my friend? doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Trying to uh, wrap my head around everything that happened this past weekend, all the sights and sounds of the draft year in Las Vegas, and then obviously what the Raiders did and how that compares to the rest of the NFL. From your vantage point, Sam Gordon, what, uh, what were your initial thoughts on, on what the Raiders did this weekend in the draft?
1: Yeah, Vinny, I think, I think, you know, context, right? It's not, we know that they traded their first two picks for, for Devontae Adams and that they weren't necessarily going to have uh, the same flashy superstar draft class that some of the other um, teams around the NFL, you know, had. And that was understood going in. And, and that said, um, I, I still come away... Um, thinking that the Raiders have a plan, right? When I take a look at what they did in the draft, it was very, very clear, A, they had a plan, best player available, and B, they there was, I mean, there was two offensive linemen, two defensive tackles, two running backs, so those are all positions, obviously, your offensive line, uh, a clear area of need, that you had some overlap there and best player available, uh, and, and then positional need, and then, you know, you're building out some flexibility and some depth. You take a look at... The roster situation um, only ran Bolden uh, under contract at running back uh, for next year, and he's more of a you know traditionally been more of a special teamer. So now you bring in a couple running backs, uh, particularly with Samir White. Maybe you get a, a running back of the future from that defensive tackle spot. Uh, not a lot of defensive tackle depth under contract next year. So now you get a couple young guys to work with, and then of course a couple offensive linemen to come in um, and compete and, and figure out a way to to to, to develop the best five man unit throughout the summer, uh, spring and summer, and in training camp. So um, coming away with it, it, it seems like the, the Raiders, the new regime, had a, a plan and a plan that they were able to execute. You address a couple needs, you address depth, and, and you get, to, you get to, to evaluate some of these guys long-term. Um, so overall, I, I respect what they did. I thought they got good value. I, I think they got players that can contribute right away, and even if they can't, that's not a bad thing because we knew based on the tenor of the offseason that it was more about free agency for the Raiders than the draft. Now you fill in kind of your periphery with the draft, and you go from there. So I thought it was a very solid job overall, and you have to, uh, when you're assessing the draft, you have
0: to, of course, um, factor in what they did in free agency, and they had a strong free agency period. So good offseason so far for the Raiders. Sam, you uh, mentioned multiple multiple times having a plan and sticking to that plan. Uh, I had asked Josh McDaniels about that, the the Raiders head coach on Saturday, uh, about the discipline that it sometimes takes to stay true to the plan of drafting the highest player on the board at your turn of the draft, even though sometimes a position group might be screaming for help, you know. And, you know, he it was a, it was a great answer that he had, a very eloquent answer, um, which to sum up and to uh, surmise basically, he said, why well, have a damn plan and work as hard as you did to put the plan in place and then not follow the plan. Uh, so it makes all the sense in the world. That I do think it takes discipline uh, to do that. But, um, you know, from where you were sitting, like you said, it felt like there was a plan and it felt like they stayed true to it.
1: Yeah, and, and this doesn't – I mean, yeah, you, you want your rookies to come in and impact winning right away and from day one. And I think, of course, with some of those guys, there's definitely going to be some expectation or at least an opportunity to compete for real playing time as a rookie but this team for the most part i think with what they were able to do in free agency the number of starters they were able to bring in bring in a, a pro Bowl slash superstar kind of player on each side of the ball on top of what was already let's not forget a 10 and 7 football team so i think from 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 it seemed like okay look beef up the offense and defense as much as you can in free agency add some some real talent to build on the 10 and 7 season and now The draft is where you can focus on the future a little bit and and developing guys two three years um, down the road. So, so with that said, I was I I thought it it made sense. Just the positions uh, that the players they took made sense. I think I don't think running back, you know, would be the first thing coming to mind on the outset. But again, when you look and see the contract situation, you know, knowing they declined Josh Jacobs' fifth year option um, with Kenyon Drake's contract expiring, going and getting running backs makes sense. Going to get offensive linemen makes sense. Addressing your depth at defensive tackle not only. For this season, where we expect Patrick Graham to utilize multiple looks uh, in his defense, that could mean multiple fronts, different kinds of defensive linemen, makes sense why you're going to go out and get some versatility uh, at at defensive tackle and different kind of players. So uh, all in all, again, we'll see how this plan works out. We'll see if if the results uh, equate what, what we think they will right now, what the Raiders certainly think they will. But I, I, I definitely respect it. that it, there does seem to be a game plan in place with the way they attack free agency and trades, now with the way they attack the draft. Now let's see what they do on the periphery. Let's see what other teams do because we know this is just getting started. The off-season, I mean, yes, the free agency and draft have happened, but there's always moving parts all summer long, and certainly when you get to training camp uh, and guys are getting cut and there's different situations that arise. So it's, it's definitely not – You know, we know this is not a finished roster – Far from it but where, where, where things stand right now you have flexibility in the trade market if you want to make a trade there's depth there you have young players you can develop and of course you have you know salvage starters on, on both sides of the ball at you know all three levels on defense um, and, and then on the perimeter and in, 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 in the backfield uh, on offense so it's all about solidifying what they can do up front on that offensive line and they address that so now, now it's you know time to roll the ball out um, with mini camps and OTAs and whatnot and to see what you really have
0: Sam, you mentioned uh, the the two defensive tackles. We're talking about Neil Farrell uh, from LSU and Matthew Butler from Tennessee, and it was interesting when when the Raiders executed both of those picks and you started looking at what their profiles were and watching them on tape um, to the extent that we can. It, I, I, when I was watching them play, the voice of Patrick Graham uh, was echoing in my ears um, along the way because he's talked about – hey, you're going to try to match up with opponents. You're you're going to try to, whatever the opponent does in that particular week, in that particular series, you need versatility to be able to match up. It might be in a 3-4 look. It might be in a 4-3 look. It could be a 5-2 look. You might be spreading them out. You might be having a run-oriented team. And sometimes that changes from series to series let alone week to week so when you look at a neil farrell a classic nose guard you know space eating type of a guy and then a matthew butler who played multiple positions uh, along the defensive line at at tennessee are we seeing that come to fruition and how fascinated are you to see how many multiple ways patrick graham and that defense are going to defend people
1: i think that's exactly what you're seeing Vinny. i think you're you're seeing different kinds of defensive tackles different kinds of defensive linemen that have different strengths so if you're playing a run heavy team that has this personnel up front, you have an option to counter that. If you're playing a pass heavy team, hey, maybe you got guys you know, on the interior that can free things up for the guys on the perimeter to get to the quarterback or maybe have some strength getting to the quarterback um, themselves. It's, I mean, that's, that to me, you know, when, when what we've heard from Patrick Graham, versatility feels like one of his hallmarks. Yes, he might favor different looks and, and different schemes uh, and different coverages in certain situations. But overall, you want to be able to adapt and adjust game to game, you know, quarter to quarter, half to half on the fly. I think the best coaching staffs are are able to do that, understand when a game plan is or isn't working, um, and pivot to that. And he's had, you know, his track record speaks for itself. Um, he's a guy that's going to be a head coach one day. I I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Uh, and him have, you know, identifying players that can fit what he wants to do defensively, be multiple, be versatile, and then of course the depth, because, you got to factor in injuries. I mean, when you're playing in the trenches, um, that's dangerous. Things can happen down there. So factoring in the depth that they now have and the different kind of versatile looks, uh, I think it gives the Raiders a number of options on that defensive side of the ball and ability to match up with different teams. And so it, given given that, and of course, given the, the contract situation with where they're at um, with, their, with their defensive line on the defensive front, it, it, again, makes total sense why you're getting guys that can make things happen at the line of scrimmage. Games won and lost there. You know, one and lost in, in, in the trenches. Can you get to the opposing quarterback or bog up the opposing offensive line? And can you protect your own? Uh, the Raiders took steps to doing both of those things in that draft. Again, augmenting what they already have. And, uh, and I, I expect, um, to see,
0: you know, to see a lot of different looks on the defensive side of the ball with, with Patrick Graham calling the shots. Sam Gordon, we're talking to Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. You know, along the defensive line, Andrew Billings, Vernon Butler, Max Crosby, Cleve Farrell, Jonathan Hankins, Malcolm Coons Bilal Nichols, uh, Kyle Pico, uh, Kendall Vickers, the two newcomers that we mentioned, I think they're going to be able to put that together. I think that your answers are right there, uh, even in terms of being able to match up on a week-to-week basis. We go behind the defensive line, and we're talking about the linebackers specifically, where are you uh, with the linebackers? We'll just mention them: Jayon Brown, Divine Diablo, Kyle Fackrell, uh, Chandler Jones, Micah Kaiser, Justin March, and Denzel Perryman. How okay do you feel? How comfortable do we feel right now about where the Raiders are at linebacker?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it feels relatively speaking compared to some of their other you know their other positions that there's there's not necessarily a ton of depth there, but you got to like what they have. Um, certainly at the top, you know, Chandler Jones coming off the edge. Denzel Perryman was a pro baller. Last year, Fakro has been a productive uh, pass rusher at this level before, and you know he might have been a couple down years, but he's been a high level guy um, in his past in his career. Somebody that can get to the quarterback, create pressure, and generate havoc. Uh, I love what I saw from Yvonne Diablo uh, at the end of last season. He to me looked like Vinny, a guy that can you know potentially um, you know be a cornerstone of that defense, certainly of that linebacking core at least the next few years and maybe beyond that as he continues to develop and get more and more comfortable um, playing at the NFL level. So to me, again, not necessarily, you know, the the depth or not necessarily the high-end pop that you want uh, beyond what you're doing with your pass rushers. but there is experience. There's different kinds of linebackers. There's guys that can move. There's guys that can get after the the quarterback. There's guys that can play the run. Um, And, uh, you know, I, I would not be surprised, again, if we see some kind of move uh, made before the start of the season. Let's not forget Denzel Perryman, the pro bowler, was, was a very, very, very late addition to what the Raiders were doing last year. I mean, was at very end of training camp and goes on to have perhaps the best season of his career. So maybe somebody out like somebody out there like that emerges and, and can be another veteran to be a part of that group. But even what, what with what they have now, at the top, you have proven production, um, and, and in the middle and at the bottom, you have upsides. You have youthful upside, guys that could potentially develop and become impact players. Maybe not as strong as you you necessarily think or would have hoped, but certainly not a a weak point on this defense
0: by any means. There's more than enough there for that unit to be effective. Sam, uh, Trayvon Mullen, the Raiders' fourth-year cornerback, uh, posted on IG today, looks like he was getting ready to undergo surgery. There was a prominent picture of his foot, so we're going to assume uh, that it was the foot that went under the knife. Uh, he dealt with foot and toe injuries last year, pretty much knocked his whole season uh, out of whack. So as we sit here today, Trayvon Mullen is a bit of a question mark. Uh, we'll see where he is health-wise uh, when, when training camp rolls around, but I'm going to throw some names at you, um, and let's just put Trayvon Mullen off to the side. Darius Phillips, Anthony Averitt, Rocky Sine, uh, maybe Amik Robertson, I know we know uh, Nate Hobbs is going to be the, uh, or presumably is going to be the, the the slot corner, the sensational rookie fifth-round pick last year from Illinois. But when you hear Anthony Averett, Rocky Yassin, Darius Phillips, um, and knowing that there's a question mark right now with Trayvon, where are you at with the cornerback position?
1: Yeah, to me, Vinny, that seems like a spot where, where you could use another veteran. You could use a little bit of help. Um, Rocky Yassin, presumably – um, a starter. Uh, he's solid in Indy, so I'm not. I don't necessarily have any concerns there. Anthony Averett also started 14 games last year for Baltimore, but let's not forget this was, you know, one of the leakier Baltimore defenses. a Baltimore defense by the end of the year that really struggled um, to stop anybody it wasn't necessarily a classic Baltimore defense. So this is, of course, a big year for him, a big opportunity um, to get back into the mix. To me, uh, you know, Vinny, this was a position right where we we had talked about it last week um, on our first and ten podcast, VegasNation.com. Uh, where where cornerback was an area where maybe you take a flyer on somebody in the fifth sixth round right maybe you bring somebody in just to kind of see what you have you know again create a little bit of depth and create some, potentially some competition uh, for Trayvon Mullen um, and and for Rocky Asin and just in general right just like, somebody to, to maybe develop long term in case somebody leaves a free agency in case somebody has a great year and you can't retain them because of the you know the price point or whatnot and then just for injuries as well. They didn't do that. So as a result, now with the trade, with whatever Trayvon Mullen is undergoing, like you said, we put him off to the side. This, to me, is probably the biggest question mark with, with the Raiders' defense. Um, Casey Hayward last year was so, so, so solid um, in one of those cornerback spots, you know, borderline kind of pro bowl level uh, in terms of his production. One of the better players, graded out one of the better players, uh, according to PFF, top 20 or so, um, top 20% anyways, um, With the way he play, with the way he played and he was a veteran presence, not having him, I think you're going to feel that if Trayvon Mullen um, can't go or is 100%. I think there's a lot, uh, you know, there's some upside with this group. There is some experience, but there's also a lot, of, a, a lot to prove from, I think, this group as a whole. So where as things stand, you know, you got some experience. You have some veterans. You have, you, know, you have guys that have started, but you don't necessarily know who your high-end corner is or, you know, who your number one corner is or number two, whatever, however you want to term it, if we're putting Trayvon Mullen off to the side. I think there's going to be a lot of competition Um, this summer and in training camp, uh, provided, um, you know, even if he does get healthy, and and, and we'll see where things stand. But that, to me, feels like a position in areas, especially after this this surgery, whatever the procedure is, where you can go out and canvas the market for for a potential veteran. Again, Casey Hayward was in the same vein, you know, similar to Denzel Perryman, kind of a late addition to the group and ends up having an awesome year and and went down and got paid, paid in Atlanta. Good for him. Maybe somebody like that emerges that can be, you know, the elder statesman, Of a group that suddenly there's some, you know, a few question marks about as we sit here on May, you know, May 3rd or May 4th.
0: Sam, I look all the way across the country, 3,000 or so miles away (laughs) to New York, New Jersey specifically. Yeah. And there's a team by the name of the New York Giants, and they have a player by the name of James Bradbury, plays cornerback, due to make about $13 million next year. The Giants, as we stand right now, today, have an effective cap space of negative seven two $7.2 million. They can't sign their rookie class right now until they get rid of some money. James Barrett Bradbury uh, is a player that a lot of people have talked about. Um, that could be a cap casualty or someone that the Giants might look to trade. Given the news of today and the state of the Raiders' cornerback position as a result, if you're the Raiders, or you're knocking on the door uh, to the Giants, or maybe are you waiting back to see what the Giants ultimately do, uh, do? because they're going to have to probably get rid of him one way or another? Do you sit back and take it a, a chance, and maybe you know circle back to him on the market, or you know are you interested in maybe uh, expediting that and maybe go trade for him?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know I think if, if there's any way. Um... I would wait. I would pump the brakes for a second and just kind of see where things go. Because if you trade him, you know, provided, I mean, if I'm if I'm James Bradbury, right, I'm going to try and get as much money as I can. I'm not necessarily in a rush to restructure any contract that gets traded. But if there's a, you know, some kind of, if he's cut or whatever, and you wait and he's a free agent, then I'm definitely picking up the phone and calling him. Look, he's, like you said, due to make $13 Um uh, But he's still playing at a really high level. Many four interceptions last year, still only 28 years old, Six one. To the size to match up with some of those bigger receivers, uh, and and if you bring him in here, I think right away he becomes you know a, a starter. So, uh, certainly, um, again, he was a number one cornerback for the Giants last year, and that was a pretty good defense, uh, even though the offense struggled. So him coming in, uh, if there's a way the Raiders can bring him in, But if it does end up being a trade, then so be it. I, I think that's better than um, I would I would certainly take the tires on that and figure out the contract situation uh, as opposed as opposed to just kind of letting him get traded somewhere else. So I think they should be in tune with what what with what the Giants are going to do one way or the other. But if I'm them, I would prefer to wait back. If he gets released, he gets released. See what you can do. See if you can figure something out, um, and then potentially try and bring him in uh, opposite Rocky's with where things stand right now with Trayvon Mullen. He's a good player. He's a very good player, 28 years old, and he provides exactly what I just talked about, a veteran and somebody that knows the defense, knows the scheme, and can help some of those younger players adjust uh, to, to what's going to be you know, their third defensive coordinator uh, in as many years. So I think overall he's a good fit. I think just being patient right now is the way to go because it feels like this is heading for a release. I don't know who wants to necessarily trade for that contract. Uh, if you don't have to, I, I'm sure there will be a number of shooters, but the, you, you would have to think that the familiarity um, with the defensive coordinator here would have to help and give the Raiders a leg. You count on that. You make your move and go from there.
0: No doubt about it. All right, last question for you, Sam Gordon. The offensive line. Uh, the Raiders drafted Dylan Parham, uh, the guard slash center from the University of Memphis, uh, and they also doubled down along the offensive line in the seventh round with uh, six foot six, three hundred twenty eight pound offensive tackle slash guard Thayer Munford, who I think um, I'm assuming uh, is going to get the, a crack at, uh, at at one of the at right tackle to start off. Um, you know. They only had a third-round pick, so it wasn't like they could, uh, they could devote a first- or second-round pick to that position. We all know that offensive line has been a bit of a concern. They didn't play well last year. There's a lot of young players you assume, um, hopefully, are, are, are going to get better. But, you know, you can't exactly count on that. You never know. Um, where are you, for last question, last position, as we look at this, where are you right now on the offensive line? Yeah, uh, I think you got to
1: like that. If you're the Raiders, you have to like that you have some some options now and just kind of some poli- uh, poli- positional flexibility and the opportunity to create a little bit of depth and bring in a couple young guys to compete uh, with some other young guys that, are, that still you know are, are looking to find their way and prove themselves um, at the NFL level. I, I would be, I'd be pretty surprised um, if Parham doesn't end up starting one way or the other um, at, at one of the guard spots, whatever that is uh and then i think um like you said with mumford i mean you know physical pedigree but all the requisite kind of uh attributes in terms of size that you look for played in the big 10 played in massive 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 games uh, was an all-conference player and then again some versatility with him too you know moving from tackle to guard and then finishing his career in the final game of his career the rose bowl uh, back at tackle so I think at the very least, um, you have some competition. You have some depth. You're going to have some the opportunity to create competition, and at least uh, you know the young guys that are already there are going to have to have you know create a sense of urgency um, for them. So i I think again there's there's options there. I still would like to see uh, if I'm the Raiders another veteran. Uh, maybe that emerges at some time this spring or summer or even in training camp another veteran with this group. But you're better off now than you were a week ago. That that that's for certain. Um, and it's on guys like Alex Leatherwood and, and John Simpson to, to figure it out and, and to, to continue to develop Andre James and carry their way to, to be a part of this unit. As, as things stand right now, I feel like Colton Miller is the only surefire, you know, what we know on that left side of, uh, of that line, and what we know they're going to have uh, being solid on the offensive line. It feels like the other four uh, positions, we could see some flexibility there. We could see some competition um, and, and so be it. I think that's that's a good thing for the Raiders. It's a good thing for everybody involved. And ultimately, um, like we touched on on our podcast, whoever is involved is going to be the best five man unit, one way or the other. Um, Colton Colton Miller is going to be a part of that. We'll see who the, who else is, uh, and we'll know by you know by the end of the
0: summer. Yeah, but that's where a guy like Carmen Brasillo, the new offensive line coach, comes into play. And and Sam, when you look at the yep. Patriots and where all these guys came from, they did a lot of work, good work. Beyond just the first and second round and building their offensive lines over the years, it's typically where they've gone to go get help and develop guys that can play. And that's kind of exactly what they did this year. We'll see now if that uh, turns out to uh, t- to help them uh, immediately or-, or down the road. Sam Gordon, thanks so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. You know we always appreciate it. Truly appreciate it. Take care of yourself, and we'll talk to you down the road, my friend. Uh, anytime, Vinny. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. Take care. You got it. That's Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Go download the app Vegas Nation, or go to VegasNation.com uh, and check out all of his work and all the work that we do over the Las Vegas Review-Journal. We know. Uh, thank you for, for, for reading all that. Thank you for listening at, on Raider Nation Radio. We do this for all of you, and we take that very seriously. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embahador. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Tuesday. Interact with the show, text Vinny at 69187, or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM going right back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in Shannon Kelly she is the sports anchor reporter for the Nevada Sports Net for Nevada Sports Net also KRNV and uh, she is a proud graduate of Centennial High School here in Las Vegas Shannon Kelly thank you for spending some time with us in the huddle how are you doing
2: Hey, Vinny, how's it going? Thank you for having me. It's an um, honor to be on your show here today.
0: Well, we're honored to have you without question. <laughs> um, and uh, Shannon, uh, uh, well, first we're going to, you know, just to uh, give everybody a peek at what we do. Uh, we we spent this last past weekend uh, over at the Ra- Raiders practice facility, which is exactly where I am right mm-hmm. now. Uh, in Henderson, covering the NFL draft, uh, Shannon works up in Reno, uh, but obviously this is a statewide uh, situation here with the Raiders. So she came down to Vegas, her hometown, uh, to cover the draft. What were your uh, impressions, uh, Shannon, of as a local coming back home mm-hmm. uh, over of of the show that was put on here in Las Vegas for the, the NFL draft?
2: Man, it was. Quite the show. I really didn't know what to expect. I think, you know, the last couple of months, seeing there was the Pro Bowl and then the NHL All-Star Game, you know, you kind of got a taste of, all right, there's some big events happening the last couple of months. But then this was just unlike anything, really, that I have ever seen. I mean, to think there was a stage set up on the Bellagio Fountains. I mean, growing up, I never thought I would walk across the Bellagio Fountains (laughs) at all in my lifetime. I mean, that was just the, the NFL... Uh, the Raiders, everyone did just such a a remarkable job really putting this whole event on. I think, you know, the turnout, maybe I've heard it wasn't as many people as they maybe had anticipated or what was in Nashville back in 2019, but it seemed like there were just so many people walking the streets day in and day out, really, these last couple of days. I mean, there always is in Vegas, obviously, with all the tourism, but um, just such an event. I. I I didn't know what to expect but it definitely exceeded my expectations to say the least. Well,
0: you're you're a great person to talk to about this because as a local somebody that grew up uh, here in this area and for so long Las Vegas was just something or, or a city and a market that professional sports just Mm -hmm. wasn't interested in in, in being here they weren't interested we all know why um so when you were when you were growing up and you were starting to figure out kind of what you wanted to do and and be involved in sports and sports reporting Mm -hmm. did you ever think that this was even possible any of this with the golden knights the raiders the nfl draft the super bowl coming to town and everything else that's going on
2: Really, never in a million years. I mean, growing up, I mean, it was okay. Let's go to a and Rebels basketball game, or let's go to a Las Vegas Wranglers hockey game, or go over to Cashman Center and watch the 51s play. Because that's just all there was. And I think for so long, you know, being being there for pretty much my entire life until I had moved up to Reno eight years ago, it's just it's hard to think I never would have fathomed that that was something that could have happened. And now this is this is the sports capital sports and entertainment capital of the world but the fastest growing sports market in the United States without a doubt I mean I never would have thought that you know when the Golden Knights had came to town back in 2016 for their first season that this is what it would turn into now and it would lead to so much more and and it's so great to see how it wasn't just a one-hit wonder that the Knights weren't going to be the only team in town because then you had Las Vegas Aces now you have the Raiders okay there's hints now of possibly Major League Baseball or an NBA team coming to town. And that's really just not even the end of it. So there's just so much more now that's happening and how much more it's expanding. And I think it's really just putting the whole state of Nevada just uh, a footprint of what, what sports can be and that they can compete with all these other cities that are in these big places, Chicago, Seattle, New York, that have and had multiple sports teams for so long now. Um, but it's something I never would have thought growing up there that this would even be possible. I would have never dreamed that, you know, I would be doing what I love now in a different part of the state and to be able to come back so often to Las Vegas. I'm so fortunate that my work sends me down there uh, to cover, you know, cover things all the time, whether it's a Nevada UNLV football game, you know, we're uh, Northern Nevada home of the Raiders. So coming down to cover the Raiders games and, and covering this draft.
0: We're talking to uh, Shannon Kelly. You can follow her at Shannon Kelly underscore TV. Uh, she's with Nevada. She's a sports anchor and reporter for Nevada Sports Net and KRNV. Uh, Shannon, what's the uh, what uh, the Raiders' presence up there uh, in the northern part of the state? We're down here in Las Vegas. You guys are up mm-hmm. there uh, in Reno, state capital, is right nearby. Um, mm-hmm. What's what's the what's the uh, atmosphere for for the Raiders in in that part of the state?
2: I think it's only grown. I think the more and more I see things over, like throughout town while I'm driving around, you see, you know, you see the Raiders license plates more and more. I think you even see more of those than the Golden Knights plates, to be honest, up here. And I think a lot of that just has to do with so many people from the Bay Area who are moving now to Reno because it is only a four-hour drive from here. So so many of those fans so there's such a there's such a unique twist and a unique mix of fans i think you're seeing more and more of Raiders fans here and oh, as long as well with the 49ers fans as well there's that balance but i think really just fans embracing that okay this is our whole state as a whole and because you know Reno isn't as big as las vegas obviously but um there are so many more raiders fans i think than i would have imagined a couple years ago you know when the team had kind of planted its roots um down in vegas so it's continuing to grow and i think even the same goes for the Knights. so there's still a mix here between Knights fans and sharks fans because not far from san jose just a couple hours over there too so it's a good mix and a good balance, but it is weird. I feel like you're almost kind of in the middle here between it all, <laughs> between no, cool. the Raiders' old home and then their new home now.
0: Yeah, no question about that. Um, all right, we're wrapping up the draft. Uh, University of Nevada, obviously, is is you know so huge uh, where you guys are, are in Reno. Carson Strong. Um, I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm surprised that he didn't get drafted. Uh, I'm sure there's surprise up there in Reno and you know within the program. Have we figured out why that happened?
2: Well, I think it just comes down to, hey, you know, he said we had the chance to talk with him actually right after he was drafted. My coworker, Kirsten Moran, was there with his family, um, was with his family at his house. And, you know, I think it's tough to say that, you know, his medicals with his knee injuries, maybe the NFL scouts saw things differently. And his medical evaluations, you know, it's, tough to say what we saw versus you know what they saw and they're seeing it in a different perspective than we are as the media covering him but you see what he can do and his deep ball and his deep threats that you saw to romeo dubs and cole turner and to his other guys the last couple of years um but it's tough i think it really was a shock to me um to see where he was Couple years ago, and then how he grew, and how his coach at the time, Jay Norvell, was, you know, working with him to get him back to full health with that knee. And then now, you know, to see how, hey, this is how it all played out. But he said afterwards to Kirsten, he said, you know what, this was in the plan. This was in the plan for me. Maybe the plan wasn't to get drafted and it's to be a free agent. You know what, the Eagles want me, and this is where I'm meant to be. So it is a very interesting situation, though. Um, just seeing how he did not get drafted.
0: Well, we know that this isn't the end of the line uh, for Carson by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, he got a pretty good deal um, from the Philadelphia Eagles, I heard, uh, as much as $320,000 guaranteed with a uh, a signing bonus that was involved in there. And he kind of goes to a pretty good situation. Uh, because we're not sure, as we sit here today on May 3rd, 2022, whether or not Jalen Hurts is truly the long-term quarterback there. So at the very least, he goes into a situation Mm -hmm. where there might be an opportunity, whether it's now or or a little bit down the road. So uh, your thoughts on, on, on where Carson ended up?
2: I think it's a great fit for him. Kind of like you said, you know, their quarterback situation there isn't necessarily set in stone. You know, so it's kind of like, okay where if you know if other teams were calling him in okay if he would say get calls by it from the Steelers well they actually drafted two quarterbacks so it's like they've got a situation there that's different than the Eagles so every team had their own kind of situation per se but I think it's a great fit for him I think he's a competitor he always goes out there and he competes he told me at pro day that his his knee is feeling good he he's felt as best as he has since before the 2020 season so I think if he's feeling as good as he says that he's feeling and when he goes out there and he can prove himself that hey I'm a competitor and that I deserve to be here then he's going to do it I mean this is a kid he didn't have any offers except for Nevada coming out of high school a kid from a small town in Vacaville right outside of Sacramento and that head coach Jay Norvell at the time and offensive coordinator Matt Mummy believed in him believed that he could be this guy and you know even from Carson's redshirt freshman year before he was even truly playing with the team, you know, coach Norvell would tell us stories how he would call him before games and say, Hey coach, you could put me in whenever you could put me in. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go whenever. And this is when he was sitting on the bench and watching Ty Danji, the former Nevada quarterback play. So a kid that's deserved it. He's deserved everything. Yes. He's had some problems with his knee. He's had some surgeries and he's faced challenges, but I think that adversity You know, he's only going to continue to overcome because he's going to face more adversity as as time goes on. All of these players that got drafted are going to face adversity in some way, shape, or form because that's just they're playing at a new level now. They're not playing college ball anymore. But this is a guy that, that earned it and he's had to take a different route, but that doesn't mean that he can't have a successful career.
0: We're visiting with Shannon Kelly from Nevada Sportsnet and KRNV. Uh, all right. Uh, the Raiders double-dipped at running back, kind of surprisingly so. Uh, not so surprising <laughs> along the offensive line and certain not so surprising at the defensive line. Uh, any surprises uh, for you as you watch the draft for the Raiders unfold?
2: Yeah. I, you know, I thought it was interesting how they really didn't the, – the secondary, they didn't go for the linebackers. They didn't go for a corner. I, I was a little surprised there but i think the running back with their final pick there i think that kind of surprised me to pick Mm -hmm. two running backs that was a little shocking taking Britton brown there at the end um, with their final pick in the seventh round that was a little surprising as well Um, but it's hard now because you have this new coaching staff and you're trying to put together all of these pieces and think okay what can we do now i think afterwards you know, Josh McDaniels kind of said it best that you you meet all of these guys. There's meeting all these players, whether it's in person, you're on Zoom, hundreds of guys, and then you only get to pick. They picked six, right? So trying to find the best six specifically and sticking to the plan that they had. So while maybe surprising, the double dipping factor with picking two running backs coming, you know, the news coming a couple of days before with Josh Jacobs um, not with the fifth year option, so that was a little surprising to me, but, um, picking, you know, guys to fill the offensive and defensive line holes. I mean, that wasn't surprising. I mean, it was our photographer from channel three down in Vegas there, Brad, over the weekend, he said, Hey, this is the, the meat and potatoes draft. And it really was because the Raiders needed to fill those pieces. And I think they're doing a good job at doing that and picking out some good guys to fill those holes. And they started really with Dylan Parham on the first, on their first uh, pick in the third round.
0: It's interesting that you should mention that, the meat and potatoes of the draft, because it seems like that's what the Patriots do all the time. And this is a very Patriot-centric leadership group now here with the Raiders between Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler Mm -hmm. and the coaching staff. So we would expect that there would be some patriot-like tendencies uh, to carry over here in Las Vegas. And so I guess it shouldn't be that big of a surprise. But when you think about Dave Ziegler and you think about Josh McDaniels from what we've seen of them so far and our dealings with them so far, what are your impressions uh, of this new uh, leadership tandem for the Raiders?
2: Just seems like there's a different air in the environment. Now, granted, I wasn't there in person for press conferences the last couple of years when a lot of things were on zoom i'd hop on those but it just seemed like there was just something different i think this is now going into year three of the raiders in las vegas and trying to make their mark of okay this is what we want to do and laying the foundation of okay you know dave Ziegler and josh mcdaniel saying these are the guys that we wanted to go after this is kind of our plan this is what we've done before and how are we going to be successful to make the playoffs and win the playoff games and continue to keep going and not just, okay, we made it, and be satisfied with that.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, It does feel different um, usually, and sometimes different can definitely be better. And it feels like it's headed in that direction. Uh, Of course, we won't know until it actually gets out on the grass and we get a look at what this team looks like and operates uh, under this new tandem. But it it does feel uh, different without question. Shannon Kelly, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. We truly appreciate it. Don't be a stranger, uh, and we will circle back to you uh, at some point down the road. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Vinny. Appreciate it.
0: You got it. That was Shannon Kelly, uh, sports anchor and reporter for Nevada Sportsnet and KRNV up in Reno. And make no mistake, the Raiders reach, you know, Raider Nation rolls uh, deep and long and strong uh, and far and wide. Uh, but I know that there's a, um, a an objective with the Raiders to not just be a Las Vegas team. Uh, you think about the help that the Raiders got and the cooperation that they got and the teamwork that they got, and that was statewide. Uh, and I know how the Raiders roll, and um, they know uh, you know uh, who was on their side or, or pushing in the right direction. Uh, and a lot of that was upstate uh, in Reno and the state capital. Uh, and I know that. There is an objective and an intent to make sure that this is a statewide deal and not just a Las Vegas deal. You're in the huddle with Vinnie Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Tuesday. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. What's good? What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 9:20 a.m. on a Tuesday. Our thanks again to Shannon Kelly. Hey, by the way, uh, today is May 3rd. That means it's the first Tuesday of the month, which means Bahut Tequila's uh, monthly charity poker tournament is happening, uh, in minutes away from happening, over at the South Point Hotel. In the main poker room, buy in is $60, and you can rebuy as much as you want till the end of the first break. Uh, all sorts of prizes, and the money goes uh, directly to. Um, um, some great charities uh, that uh, that the, the in, in, including uh, uh, Chefs for Kids, which I know does a great job feeding children in need. Uh, so go check them out over at uh, the South Point Hotel tonight starting at 6. It's the monthly charity poker tournament in uh, Baja de Tequila. There'll be great drinks. There'll be great food. Uh, all of those uh, good things. We're talking about the Raiders. We're talking about needs. We're talking about worries and concerns. Um, you know, this roster by no means is a finished product. It's a living, breathing uh, document that uh, evolves uh, from minute to minute, day to day, uh, and it will continue to do so. And today, obviously, uh, Chayvon Mullen announcing on uh, Instagram that he was uh, about ready to undergo surgery. Uh, I, think, I think there's an update um, that he uh, also came out and said that successful surgery. So, Um, Hopefully whatever Trayvon Mullen is dealing with and it sure seemed to be foot oriented because he conspicuously showed or or took a picture of his foot and a hospital bed right beyond the foot. So it sounds like whatever was happening last year with the toe and, and the foot. Uh, has either carried over or was, um, you know, exasperated maybe uh, in in a workout or maybe during minicamp. I don't know what the details are on that, but whatever um, the case is, he needed, doctors needed to go in there uh, and get it fixed up. And so here's hoping uh, for Trayvon Mullins sake uh, that he's good to go sooner rather than later. I don't know uh, what the report is. We'll try to get some sort of word uh, at the next availability, which will be during OTAs coming up here pretty soon. Um, at this time of year dubious that you're going to get a lot of information uh, in terms of injuries uh, and there's nobody obligated to really tell us what is going on injury wise and I get it I understand that and I actually agree with that policy there's no game on Sunday there's no game for months from now so the Raiders are under no obligation no NFL team is under any obligation uh, to announce exactly what players are dealing with right now it's none of it's really and truly um, you know not really anybody's business yes it's it's you know because uh, you're talking about Trayvon Mullen, you're talking about a guy that is going into the season written in as one of the starting cornerbacks, um, but the exact extent of all of that you're not going to get any uh, information, no matter how hard you try. It's just the way it is uh, this time of year. Until official injury reports starts coming out, start coming out, and that will occur the first week of the season. Uh, t- teams keep tight lids on any kind of information like that. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to figure it out. What's, what's happening with Trayvon, um, and where this puts him in terms of availability, uh, for training camp. Um, but hopefully, and it sounds like it was sort of on the minor end of things, not definitely not the major end of things. Uh, so hopefully it was something that just needed to kind of get cleaned up or fixed up or whatever the case might be. Uh, And that he'll be ready to go sooner rather than later. I want to say thanks to Dan Vancelli, the Raiders president, uh, for joining us for his weekly segment. We will do that moving forward every week. Dan Vancelli is going to join us and talk about everything Raiders related, Las Vegas related, what's going on with the stadium, what's going on with the team. There's a lot to talk about, a lot of good things. Uh, to talk about. Uh, But regardless of what's going on, Dan's going to be joining us on a weekly basis to talk about it. Want to say thanks to Sam Gordon, our great teammate over at the Las Vegas Review Journal. Thank you to Shannon Kelly, uh, the great reporter from up in Reno. Uh, Truly appreciate all the insight. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m., by the way. Big announcement, Darren Waller is going to be joining in the huddle Thursday to top the show at 4 o'clock, 4.05 or so. Uh, so keep that in mind, uh, uh, Darren Waller, 4 o'clock on Thursday. Uh, and we'll be live at the uh, Treasure Island Ho- Hotel Golden Circle Sportsbook on Friday. We'll talk to you tomorrow, Raider Nation Radio, in the huddle, brought to you by Tequila and Botter.